We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, December 1st. Oh my gosh, December 1st edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Sponsored by FanDuel. Derek Van Riper is with me today. Like every Friday, we're doing this about 3 o'clock Eastern. So you know uh, what status we have on the news um, and the NFL is boring compared to college football right now. College football is just, and not even on the field, it's insane. Yeah, it's really stealing the show. Um, the Tennessee documentary about how it's taken them forever to find a head coach, how they've scared people away. They've fired an AD. That's going to be a good 30 for 30 when, when that comes out. I'm looking forward to that. Kind of wish it will just never end, that they'll go into next season with like an interim coach and, and not have it figured out. But I'm sure they'll figure something out in the near future. And then Jimbo Fisher, while I was out at lunch looking for the amazing beers that come out this time of year. Jimbo Fisher leaves Florida state to go to Texas A&M for a huge pile of money. So that that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And so we've got that. Um, I think both, both Clay Travis and Peter Burns from the sec network uh, said that the Tennessee thing is like, is like basically game of Thrones. 
that <laughs> everybody there was people sabotaging the search like the, the ad would go interview a coach and then people inside the program were calling the coaches that got interviewed saying no no don't come here it's terrible you know <laughs> it's just ridiculous. it's unbelievable yeah it, see here's the thing i know people aren't necessarily listening to this podcast for our takes on on college football but bear with me from from a thousand miles away tennessee peaked in my lifetime when they had Peyton Manning like that, that's as good as Tennessee ever was uh, kind of late nineties, right? That's when they were on top as a football program. I don't think they're ever getting back to that level. Like in the, in the same way that I really don't think Nebraska is ever going to be a powerhouse. I mean, you, you could have any team with the right group of recruits come up and be a top five team for a year. Any, any team can do that in D one theoretically, but for the expectations at Tennessee and Nebraska to be as off the charts high as they are, it seems askew to me in the current college football landscape. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's the right coach because you look at it. I mean, and you would think, look, the basic, the, the teams that could be, you know, the, I mean, University of Florida, for instance, right, is a powerhouse team. I'm not, you know, we could go down the Alabama road and all that. But I mean, if if Clemson can turn into a top five program, who can't? Right. I I I think what's what's interesting to me though, like the ACC, I just felt like had room for a team to emerge. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the SEC the divisions and the way they work, the good thing for Tennessee is they don't have Bama in their division. You know, it's it's, it's the Florida and Georgia duo that you're the most worried about long-term. So I guess you could look at it with some optimism and say, you know, we don't have to deal with Bama. We don't have LSU and Auburn. You know, it's not as stacked. Like the SEC West by comparison is much more stacked. So maybe that's where their, their optimism comes from. But I guess other than the fact they had that level of success in the late nineties, there's not any reason to think that they're significantly more likely to do it than Mizzou or Kentucky or South Carolina. I mean, like if, if Tennessee can do it, then South Carolina could do it or Kentucky could do it or Missouri could do it. So I, I just don't see them having this huge edge anymore in any way, as far as recruiting or anything goes. And given the issues they're having, getting a coach, I just wonder if that's going to continue and they're going to keep going through this cycle of just being underwhelmed by what they're able to do. Yeah. Okay. That that's fair. That might be true. And, uh, as, as I said to, I think on Monday as a, as, as a Rutgers guy and a fan of Greg Schiano, I, I have to say I'm enjoying this. So <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I, I've been to Knoxville before. It's a cool campus. Like it, it's a, I mean, I was there when I was in high school. So I guess I would need to go back as an adult to give it a, a truer assessment, but relative to some other places where coaches have to recruit, it can be much worse, much, much worse in terms of getting recruits to want to go there. Right. And um, and yeah, I, I keep saying I need to go to some more college football games around where I live. And Knoxville's only four hours away, so that's doable. Um, and yeah, and tickets are probably cheap right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they do they they do the attendance is still there. I will give them that. Um, it's it's pretty. You know, was it a hundred thousand people at that stadium? So um, sounds pretty great. I would like to go there, even though you see the thing is I can't go there and root against them now. So it's I don't know. I guess I'd have to. I'll figure it out. 
Whatever. <laughs> All right, let's talk NFL. Enough of that. Sorry, Tennessee fans. You want to tweet us your displeasure at anything we just said. I'm at jhoppin37. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. If you'd like other questions, you can tweet us at Rotowire and get the player updates at Rotowire NFL. Um, last night, anything you want to talk? Alfred Morris, pretty good, pretty good night. Yeah, real good for Alfred Morris. I mean, Dez scored sort of maybe fending off rumors of his demise for a little longer. Weird game, weird game flow. Dak's hand seems to be okay. Uh, I was kind of disappointed that the Redskins didn't get a little more out of Samaje Pirine, but, you know, eventually once they fell far enough behind, he was a little less of a factor. So I guess game script kind of worked against him. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we had a little Dez. Um, Kirk Cousins got a little shade thrown at him from the NFL Network guys after the game. I have no idea why. That was odd. Um, I thought I, I love Kirk Cousins. I'm actually, uh, you know, you know, we've been talking about a lot, like the whole Kirk Cousins to the Jags idea. Forget that. Now I want Kirk Cousins to the Giants. Why don't you want Geno Smith to be the quarterback you next sh- year? Shut your mouth. You shut you, your you, mouth you, with that. You read that piece, didn't you? The, in, in the New York Daily News. What? Which one? I, I, I shared it uh, a couple days ago when, when everybody was losing their minds about Eli and the disrespect and all that. And it, it's it's been a long time since Eli Manning was playing at a very high level. Now, when he played well in recent years, it was pretty easy to attribute the TD count, especially to Odell Beckham. And even with Beckham, like the yards per attempt numbers were pretty underwhelming in, in today's landscape. But anyway, so. Geno Smith, people, there's, there's like two attitudes on Geno Smith. One, oh, he's still in the league. And two, he's crap. People have just decided he's crap because he didn't have a lot of success with the Jets. And that apparently is enough to write a player off regardless of, you know, what tools and, and actual talent they may have. Uh, but you look at, at like yards per attempt over the last four years and the chances Geno Smith's had to play. He's been right at the same level as Eli. And there was a stretch, I think, before he left the Jets where he was kind of producing at this legitimate starting quarterback sort of level. Everyone's just kind of forgotten about him. He lost his job when he got punched in the face, which is a pretty weird way to lose a job in the NFL when you think about it. Well, but but why? Why? I, I mean, what was the stretch? What was the stretch where he was playing that well? I mean, look, I don't know. The guy, he might become a good quarterback for all. He's 27. He's, you know, with the Jets, he, he played two seasons. He wasn't very good. And maybe he was in a bad situation. I, I can buy that. Like, why am I buying? I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, all right, the, the Giants are going to tear it down here. Right? Not, maybe not tear it down because they actually have some good players under contract and all that. And, they, you know, it might not be a, the rebuild might not be extensive. Okay. Why am I supposed to believe that Geno Smith is going to help them return to be a playoff team? Well, he's not going to do anything to help them down the stretch because their their injuries this year. But have next just, year, why next year? Well, the thing about him next year, if you don't get Kirk Cousins, who who are you going to get to actually be the quarterback next year that that you like? I mean, you're going to like, draft somebody, and you know, well, I'm probably going to play him. I hope. So you think a first round quarterback is going to happen for them? They're going to have an early first round pick based mm-hmm. on everything they're doing so far. Right. Hopefully. Depends on who it is. Again, you know, you're not going to reach for a guy if you don't like him. But, I mean, you know, if, if Gino's there next year, then I'm almost, then I'm pretty much thinking we're going to write next year off. I think it's possible that Geno Smith could be a good NFL quarterback. I just think it's not very likely. That's all. I, yeah, I guess the way I look at it is 
it's more likely than most people think, even if it's not likely, if that if that makes sense. I, I think writing him off as crap is is premature. And that's not necessarily what you're doing, but a lot of people out there are just like, oh, I can't believe this. They're benching Eli for Geno Smith. It's like it doesn't matter who they're benching Eli for. What they're doing right now is looking at other quarterbacks, whether it's Geno for a week or a half or a quarter or the next five games, then Davis Webb for the rest. They're at least looking at those two guys to see, do we have any of our quarterbacks for 2018 on the roster right now? Because Eli Manning's gone. Like they, they've at least made that decision. How they did it, maybe people don't feel good about that. Some people don't. And that's just the way it's going to work with a guy that's won a couple Super Bowls. Like that's that's how it goes. But the, the stretch I'm talking about with Gino was basically the second half of 2014. Last eight games, uh, 62.5% completion percentage, 7.9 yards per attempt, and a passer rating of 86. And that's on a Jets team in 2014 that featured a lot of Jeremy Curley, if I remember correctly. I mean, that was a that was a not a good, talented group of pass catchers he was playing with either. Like we think about great offenses in NFL history. We don't think about Marty Morningwig's 2014 Jets <laughs> as uh, a team that's like, wow, they they were they were stacked with talent. I mean, they had Eric Decker as their one. So they had a legitimate like number one type receiver at that time. He was where he was. But it was like Curley, Jason Morrow, the end of Percy Harvin's career, Jeff Cumberland. He was thrown to those guys. So I, I just don't I don't think he can. We can look at him and say, ah, he just he can't play like he, he just can't do it. Like the Jets are such a dysfunctional clown shoes organization anyway, that if they cast the player off, some other team should give them a chance because anything is usually better for a supporting cast than what the Jets put out there. All right. You made some sense. <laughs> I haven't even I haven't even had that that beer I bought at lunch either. I didn't drink any of it. Just, it's for later. Just remember, as I pointed out to, I think, Tim yesterday. He got punched. He, he lost his job because he got punched in the face. And when you're a quarterback and your teammates want to punch you in the face, that's bad. Wasn't that over like a, a gambling thing? Yes. Gino owed him. Oh, no. Did he owe Gino and Gino kept harassing him about it? Or it was the other, the other way around? I, I don't even I just remember the story as being really bizarre. Like it, it was it was if, if it's the story I'm thinking of. It was a very small amount of money for NFL players for two players to fight about it. It, it was, I think it was $600, if I remember. Um, let's see, report, Gino, des- I'm Googling right now. Gino deserved to get punched in the face. A, a teammate punched Gino over a $600 plane ticket debt. Um, Smith had failed to repay uh, an Empoli $600 for a plane ticket. Because what, I mean, what a, is he doing not paying him back? Right. Right. But again, it, it's six hundred dollars and you're in the NFL like it, it. You shouldn't punch someone in the face because they owe you six hundred dollars if you're in the NFL and everyone's making five hundred K or more. If you're starting quarterback in the NFL, you shouldn't be in debt to your teammates and not pay them back six hundred dollars. I mean, you shouldn't yeah, be a jackass you shouldn't be in debt to your teammates, period. But it's just like he didn't lose his job at the time because he wasn't playing well. He lost his job because of a weird fight that happened. And it was at least his fault, but stupid. It's a stupid reason to lose your job, nonetheless. All right. I think we are 13 minutes in and we need to get to fantasy football. Yeah. I think. Much as I like talking about this, we need to get to fantasy football. Okay, everybody. Um, 
We are going to go through the news as we know it. Like I said, we are right now, I am speaking 322 Eastern on Friday afternoon. Um, questionable game time decision, guys, we're not sure about. Uh, Aaron Jones for your Packers, maybe, is a maybe, right? I have a hard time thinking he'll play. It's the early, early part of the timetable. It said three to six weeks, I think, when he got hurt, and that was in week 10. So why they would push him back, I really don't know. I guess they just don't like Devontae Mays at all, and... They'd rather have Jones running behind Jamal Williams than having Mays or Aaron Ripkowski doing it. All right. Um, Ty Montgomery will not play. That's confirmed. Um, Greg Olson, we're not sure. Um, Actually, the Panthers, they will decide on Saturday, listen to this, whether to play Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey. That's what Mm -hmm. Ron Rivera said. I'm not terribly worried about Christian McCaffrey, but... For a coach to say this means if you own Christian McCaffrey, you need to keep an eye on this situation. He has a shoulder injury. He was limited in practice. Um, and that, that is a little unfair. said, yeah, we'll decide Saturday. Like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> Thanks, coach. So maybe, maybe a little worse than we had thought. But, yeah, at least we'll have clarity tomorrow and can make adjustments accordingly. Yep. Uh, Amir Abdullah seems like maybe for the Lions. That would mean more theoretic. Adrian Peterson, game time decision for the Cardinals. That's a late game. So if it's truly a game time decision, you might need to sit Peterson if you have early game alternatives. Um, Richard Matthews, game time decision for the Titans. Matt Forte is listed technically as questionable for the Jets. I think I know he was limited Wednesday um, and I think Thursday. I'm not sure about today. The last one is an interesting situation that we mentioned on Thursday's podcast. Casey Hayward, um, terrific cornerback for the Chargers, had an un- uh, terribly unfortunate. His brother passed away in a car accident earlier this week. So Casey Hayward went back to, I believe it was Georgia, for the um, to be with his family. And he did not practice Friday was the latest I saw. And I have we we have no idea if Casey Hayward is going to be back. Uh, Derek was mentioning before we started recording that the word was he expected to play or was hoping to play. But as of right now, look, if you if you own Brown's receivers, which Corey Coleman is certainly one of those guys on the cusp of fantasy starting and sitting um, and Josh Gordon, who everybody wants to play. Um, that Casey Hayward news will play into it, and you're probably going to want to watch for it. Um, are you? Were you in the Gordon camp or not? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have him in any of my season-long leagues. Somebody else stashed him before I was willing to do it. Uh, I'll have him going in DFS, and you know, hopefully for for Hayward's sake, you know, playing at some point in the next couple of weeks is a way just to take his mind off of a horrible thing that that happened in his family and. Uh, you never know. You just never know how players are going to respond to something like that. I guess the last the last thing Anthony Lynn said is they don't know exactly when he's going to come back. So uh, understandably, you know, his status is up in the air for this weekend. And I, I keep trying to figure out with the Browns, with Josh Gordon back, top corners are going to match up against him. So Corey Coleman gets better matchups. He may get fewer targets, but he may actually get the same number of targets or a similar number because they may sustain drives more effectively. They may run more plays. And even if he does get fewer targets, the efficiency per target could go up mm-hmm. because he's seeing better matchups. So the Browns offense in the final few weeks of the season, I think, is a little more interesting. I mean, Gordon is, as we've seen before, a game changing sort of receiver when he's out there. And the Browns have a few matchups in the next four weeks with the Chargers being kind of a tough one. But the, the Packers are an easy matchup next week. The Ravens, they at least get in Cleveland and the Bears in championship week where two of those four matchups are such that you you could see Deshaun Kaiser and those receivers putting up some pretty big numbers. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think you're right. And um, even though I'm not 
I'm not a big Josh Gordon guy, at least for the short term. I think I think what you're saying does make sense there. Um, and Hugh Jackson has said, you know, no holds barred. People are like, oh, is he going to be unlimited? Is he going to be snap count? And Hugh Jackson basically said, hell no. He's playing. Um, but again, back to the other thing. Um, our condolences uh, to, sincerely to Casey Hayward and his family. Um, all right, moving on to other news. People we, we either won't see or are unlikely to see. Uh, Derek, correct me if I'm wrong on anybody. Doug Martin, not looking good. Uh, Mark Cooper has not been declared out yet that I know of, but that's not looking good. Um, Damian Williams for the Dolphins out. We will get to uh, the fantasy effects of that shortly. Kelvin Benjamin ruled out uh, for the Bills. Desmond Trufant ruled out for the Falcons, meaning Thielen and, uh, and Diggs have, have a friendlier day. Charkandrick West not going to play for the Chiefs. You might not think that means much, but Kareem Hunt has been getting snaps and touches stolen from him by Charkandrick West, and now he will not this Sunday. Finally, Will Fuller out from the Texans. Anybody there um, jump out at you and the effects of it uh, jump out at you? The Trufant injury is really interesting, and on top of that, Brian Poole might be out too. So they may be out there, both of their starting corners, uh, which really opens things up for the Minnesota passing game. I think the the matchup that I'm I'm kind of interested in that game too is looking at Atlanta and how well they run the ball against Minnesota because Minnesota is good against the run and the pass. Can Atlanta win up front and open up the holes for Devontae Freeman now that he's back and and for Tevin Coleman? I'm sure they'll work in some kind of tandem 50-50, 60-40, whatever it might be. But this game has a little more shootout potential as Atlanta could be without their two starting corners and they're definitely without Desmond Trufant. All right. So uh, actually, I, I, I talked about this on Thursday, too, with Tim. What do you think? I mean, Tevin Coleman has been since Freeman went out. Tevin Coleman was pretty good. I mean, he had one. So I mean, he, he averaged about 20 carries a game four touchdowns, which I know can be a little fluky. But he uh, he went 20 for 83, 20 for 43 and 19 for 97 on the ground. Um, do you think I mean, the way it was before is Coleman was getting, you know, 10 touches or less in a lot of cases. Do you think, do you think his workload with Freeman back ticks up from where it was when Freeman was playing before? Yeah. I mean, you go back to like week eight. Uh, that was one of the final two games where they both played. I think Freeman got hurt in week 10. It was pretty much a split in touches in that game. 15 to Coleman, 13 to Freeman, 15, six favoring Freeman the week after against Carolina. And then when Freeman got hurt in week 10, it finished 21 2 for Coleman. So I, I think 50 50 is like the worst case scenario for Freeman, but it could still be as much as two thirds in his favor. So I think if you're going to play in Atlanta back uh, in DFS with the prices being fairly close on a lot of sites, you might as well play Freeman. Okay. Um, but are you playing Coleman? Uh, season him. long probably has like a flex. Okay. Yeah, but I, I don't think much more than that. I, I just think this is this is a tough matchup. And and that's one of the things, too. Where if, if you've got Freeman in season long and you're kind of loaded at running back and you don't have a flex spot or something like that, this could be the kind of week where somebody moves into that spot instead. All right. I've, I've got Freeman at uh, 19th running back and Coleman at 21st. So I, I'm, I'm a little more confident that they're going to keep using him because he ran well. I guess we'll see. Um, speaking of that, the guys who are in, who may have not been in recently or we weren't sure about, Freeman, as you mentioned, um, Ju- looks like Juju's back for the Steelers, um, which if you had been playing Martavis Bryant, you might want to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Um, looks like Mike Davis will be back for the Seahawks. That's not a huge, you know, I think we got excited about, a, you know, a handful of carries, was it, a few weeks ago when he played? 
right? He, he played for a little while and everyone, oh, finally, there's a Seahawks running back I can use. Yes. Thank God. If they would play J.D. McKissick more, I think McKissick could be playable, too, because he has good burst and more of an outside runner than an inside runner. But he also catches passes. You think it's going to be like a Davis McKissick timeshare where McKissick gets a dozen carries and uh, McKissick gets the rest? I mean, McKissick, didn't, they didn't give him the ball last week. So I don't know. I mean, they were winning. It might be a different game, though. You know, last week they played what? Was it the Niners last week? Yeah, they they got to stop running Eddie Lacy, right? I know. I mean, that, that can't continue. I would, You would think, but, I mean, heck if I know. Um, all right, so Juju talked about Mike Davis. We talked about the last one. LaShawn McCoy did not practice on Friday. It sounds like you shouldn't be alarmed and he's going to play. Um, who are you looking – who excites you, intrigues you this weekend? We talk about this every Friday. Who, who are you fired up to watch? That Atlanta-Minnesota game is probably second only to Seattle and Philly as the game I want to see the most. I think what I want to see is uh, what is Philly going to do in a more hostile environment? I know the Seahawks defense isn't at full strength right now. I mean, a couple key injuries for them. It really kind of waters down what they can bring to the table. I think it makes them almost more shootout prone too. But you know, no Chancellor, no Sherman. Can the Seahawks offense keep pace with the Eagles? Because that game has a ton of shootout potential, which is something we're just not accustomed to seeing uh, from that Seattle team. So I, I like the way that game matches up. I want to see what Wilson and Wentz look like uh, in that spot. Minnesota, Atlanta, for just clear reasons of they're, they're both good teams. And Minnesota looks like a really complete team, but this should be a good test for them being on the road. And then the other thing I want to see is Josh Gordon. I mean, what, what is he going to look like? How much is he actually going to be used? They're saying he's going to get as much work as possible. And, you know, Mario kind of speculated on this on the on the radio show today. The Browns being as patient as they've been trying to get him back on the field. He's a restricted free agent after the end of this season. Are they going to force feed him targets, try to prop up his value and then get something, a draft pick back in compensation once he leaves or via trade? That's. Maybe. I mean, they'd be smart to do it, right? At this point, what do they have to lose by trying to roll with them and and load them up? It's a good point. It's the only thing that makes sense at all. If you're an 0-11 team, and he's probably not a big part of their future, even though he's talented, because, I mean, why why rely on a guy that's been so unreliable? It's it's unfortunate. Hopefully, it ends up in, uh, you know, being a a positive story of rehabilitation and, and a talented guy kind of finding his way and chasing his demons but i i just i hope hope for his sake that this time he's he's healthy he's he's that he's well and then he's able to you know take advantage of the talent that he has because if he was playing every game drunk in 2013 and he was still that good how good is he sober (laughs) that's amazing like 87 catches 1646 yards nine tds on a team in 2013 browns quarterbacks in 2013 do you remember who they were? Uh, I, I actually looked this up. So, yes, I do. I'd be cheating. So it was Campbell. So you, yep. Uh, Whedon and Hoyer. Yeah. And Hoyer only played three games, too. So before everybody says, well, Hoyer's not that bad. I agree that Hoyer's not that bad. It was Campbell and Whedon for 13 of the 16 games the Browns played that year. Yep. Their passer ratings were both under 80. So... <laughs> It, to, for for Gordon to be that good in those circumstances with the substance abuse he was going through and experiencing at that time, 
is mind boggling to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm rooting for him. I really am. I would like to see this work out well. And I, I hope it I does. Really I mean, he's, does. He's, he's had a lot of problems going back to Baylor. And if it, the, the next time he, he messes up, it's that's it. Like this, this is the last chance he's going to get in the NFL. Right. Um, otherwise here, guys, I want to see, I want to see how the Tennessee backfield breaks down. That, that is really an interesting situation there because it really is starting to look like Henry is, is muscling Murray out of there. Do you think Malarkey's finally going to make that move? I mean, I, I, that's the, that's the holdup, right? It's just Malarkey being stubborn. It seems about Murray being the starter. I mean, he's, he, we're, we're at a, we're at a split point in the beginning of the year. We weren't, and now we are. So, I mean, I, I think that I think we're at that point now where he's, I mean, he, he certainly, I mean, you'd have to be dumb not to see it. It's different. Saying you see it is different than saying, than doing it, you know, but I think he's starting to do it. It, it, it looks that way. So yeah, I, I, th- I think, um, I, I think I'm in on that one. I like, I'm, re- I'm ready to roll. I was, a, I was a Murray, a, a Henry skeptic in the beginning of the year. I know people, I thought people were drafting him too high because I thought, you know, the job was Murray's and Murray's still good. And now you're watching Murray and you're going, well, I don't know anymore. Like maybe, maybe it's that time for him. I kind of wonder if he's playing hurt, but at maybe any, any rate, he's not playing well. I, I've got one league where I've got Murray and I'm looking at Jamal Williams and I'm probably going to start Jamal Williams over him because yeah. the carry volume should be clearer for Williams this week. I agree. Unless Aaron Jones plays. Yeah. Even then I'm still kind of wondering if Jones is just there to be a depth guy that they can trust if something happens to Williams and not have to run a fullback. Right. Um, another guy speaking of the, the Titans, what team since week eight, what's, what team has given up the most fantasy points against opposing quarterbacks since week eight? Yes. Uh, most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks that would probably be a trick question of some kind i know denver is giving up a ton of passing tds so i'm gonna say denver the houston texans all right that would have been high up on my list too because i know their their ypa against the season now pretty bad and they are playing against marcus mariota on the road marcus mariota statistically if you own marcus mariota I think after last week, it might have been the week before, but definitely after last week, you probably looked at him and said, I can't play this guy anymore. You know, like he's not mm-hmm. he's not running. He's thrown, you know, he's thrown too many interceptions. And now in the year, he's nine touchdowns and 12 picks. And, you know, after week 10, you said, oh, maybe he's going to start to run again because they said before that game he would. And then he did. And then two weeks afterward, he didn't. But if and put it this way, if not now, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, this this would be it. I don't I don't know if I'd want to start him. It would depend on my options. I actually have him. I have him eleventh. I, I th- you know what twelfth. Uh, I changed Case Keenan with the Falcons secondary news. I changed it, but so so twelfth generous, I think, for Mariota right now. But I mean, there you go. This, this if you were ever going to play him, it's probably now. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, I think I, I've got that tough call in one of my super flex leagues where. I've got Keenum and Mariota, and Keenum would be oh. the default starter if the matchups were similar. But the matchup is so good for Mariota, I'm having a really difficult time putting him on the bench, even though the form has been uh, less than 
stellar, to put it very nicely. I might be flipping a coin on that one because I, I agree with you. It's a very close call. Um, all right. So, so with that in mind, <laughs> do, do you go back down the Corey Davis rabbit hole? I think in GPPs you could. In season long, I really don't want to. I, I just hope I've got something I like better uh, at my disposal. And the other thing that I guess I ought to think about, too, we talked about it a little earlier. Atlanta being banged up in the secondary might make Keenum a bit more stable. Yeah. Like that, that might make that matchup gap close a lot. So now, now it's even worse. Yeah. Now, if Trufant were playing, that would give me some hope that Atlanta's defense would, would show up the way it's supposed to at home without Trufant and possibly without Poole. Man, that that could that could be a use Keenum, even though the Mariota matchup is so good situation. All right, um, yeah, that's that's a dilemma. If you have if you have uh, opinions on that, again, I'm at J Hoppin 37. Derek is at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. FanDuel's fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests start every week with no busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just a dollar. You just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Um, this week, so I use the optimizer. And I built around Kenyon Drake, who I promised we would get to, um, because with Damian Williams out, the Bronco defense turning into a mess, Kenyon, the Dolphins' backfield is all Kenyon Drake's. Now, you might say, I don't care. He's still Kenyon Drake, and he's not that good. Maybe so. Um, but Kenyon Drake, last week, what did he go? He went 9 for 20 on the ground, 3 for 27. He can catch the ball a little bit. He can run a little bit. Um, he's cheap. So I went with him. So anyway, I built around Kenyon Drake and Josh Reynolds since it was a tournament, a GPP, because uh, I, I'm going with that whole Josh Reynolds last week staying, you know, sort of the uh, he went four for 37 with a touchdown last week. And he's sort of lining up as the as the Rams other. Uh, he's probably the Z, if I had to guess, for the Rams. Right. Opposite Sammy Watkins. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Watkins know, be the X, right? Against the Cardinals. You you can. Yeah. Uh, as I've said, oh, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself this week, but um, basically a cheap guy like that uh, against the second corner on the Cardinals um, has, has done pretty well. So I built around Drake and Reynolds, and I came up with Russ at quarterback, Kamara at my other running back, Phelan and Devontae at the wide receivers, and then I spent, it was, it let me spend up everywhere else. I got Kelsey at, at tight end, Zerline at kicker, and the Jags on defense. That's my lineup. Which Devontae, Adams or Parker? Oh, sorry. Devontae Adams, wide receiver. Yes. I, I figured, I mean, I figured more likely Adams, but the logic on, on Parker is kind of similar. Thinking about how if, if Chris Harris matches up on Landry and Tlaib is suspended, you know, you get a backup matchup on both stills or on Parker. So then they become more interesting this week. I mean, Denver has been generous as far as TDs allowed through the air and they're not, they're not picking the ball off the same way either. They're not forcing the turnovers quite the same way. Now maybe Jay Cutler is just the, uh, just the thing that they need to get right. But I have a hard time believing at less than full strength personnel wise, they're going to do that. Right. Okay. Um, you got any favorites in FanDuel that you love? Yeah. Uh, let's see. What did I do? I've got a lineup going right now. My, my first lineup, my main lineup. Uh, Jamal Williams is so cheap, 5,700. It just opens up a lot of interesting things elsewhere. So he's kind of a key guy for me on FanDuel. 
everyone likes Gordon or a lot of people like Josh Gordon at 5,800. Uh, and Jared Cook is cheap too, 5,500. Do you want to save at tight end this week? You know, the Giants have had trouble tight ends all season. The Raiders have fewer receivers than usual at their disposal. Crabtree suspended. Amari Cooper in danger of missing that game as well. I mean, how many targets can they really send in the direction of Johnny Holton and Cordero Patterson and Seth Roberts? Like this seems like a game where Jared Cook should catch six or seven passes with relative ease. But because of his price, Jared Cook is going to be so popular. I mean, good chalk. What it is? Good chalk. I agree. But he's going to be chalk, all right. Um, I mean, basically, all uh, every every logical explanation points to Jared Cook having a good game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's it's probably even better for cash, of course, than than GPPs. As a result, uh, the other excuse me, the other player that I'm I'm interested in that everybody likes is Mike Evans. He's 7,500. Jameis Winston's going to play in this one. Green Bay secondary is porous all the time. I try to pick on them every single week, and Evans could justifiably cost like a thousand dollars more in this matchup. But you get a discount. A lot of people are going to have them, so you have to differentiate elsewhere. But I like Mike Evans quite a bit going up against the Packers. All right. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Don't copy my lineup, even though I gave it to you. Players you love, who do you love, who do you love, who do you love this week, Derek? Well, some some carryover from those last responses, guys on FanDuel that I was playing. Mike Evans, probably my chalkiest, favoritist, bestest receiver, to use a slew of words that aren't really words. I love bestest. And bestest is a fun word. I mean, I just I have a hard time seeing that floor bottoming out unless he gets hurt or something early in that game. Um, I like Michael Thomas a little bit this week. He's 7,600. It's been a while since he scored. It's been, what, seven games now, I think, without a TD. Target volume's been pretty steady. Eight, 11, 10, 11, 8, 11 over the last six. It's only a matter of time. And, you know, maybe it's not going to be, you know, 150 in two TDs. But if it's 90 in two TDs at 7,600, I'll take that. I know Carolina's got talent in that secondary. But the Saints find a way to break teams down. They may be, uh, the Panthers, that is, maybe pretty preoccupied dealing with Elvin Kamara and that could, you know, let Thomas kind of slip through for a big play or two in this one. Okay. What if I told you, I kind of like Andy Dalton. I never liked Andy Dalton. Didn't, <laughs> didn't we have uh, one of our colleagues say that we should put that on a, on a mug. There was a, there was an Andy Dalton expression. I'm trying to remember what it was. It That's was, a good one. You're never excited to start Andy Dalton. He, I mean, the last I know touchdown touchdowns can be fluky and all that stuff, but seven touchdown passes over his last three. Um, playing the Steelers, who and I and I pick week week eight arbitrarily. I don't have the opponents. I basically said, all right, last four or five games, and the Steelers are actually twenty sixth in points allowed to fantasy opposing fantasy quarterbacks. I, I I'm looking at this game. And it's not because, as I discussed with Tim yesterday, it's not because Mike Tomlin started talking about the Patriots already that I think the Steelers are walking into a trap. I just think this is, I mean, it's a divisional game on the road on a Monday night. It's not easy. I think the Bengals might step up and play well, and I think Dalton might be okay. 
I think that game has a little bit of ugly potential to it, like a deceptive amount compared to the typical Monday night game. That's not going to fall to Texans Ravens levels because few, few combinations can actually achieve that. But I, I think Steelers coming off a game where they didn't win convincingly against the Packers. They won, which is the important thing in the end, but they, they had some blown coverages, the Cobb play and the Adams TD both were pretty big mistakes. Williams on a screen scoring from where he did is pretty bizarre. Some some missed angles, missed tackles in that situation, too. I have to think they're going to come back a little more focused because what may have been happening is exactly what Tomlin was saying. They may, may have been looking ahead a little too far, and I think they're going to come back with some extra focus because this is the kind of game that gets them one step closer to that first round bye that they're hoping for. Yep. And they, they need to come in and play well. Uh, I, Dalton could be okay. I just... I think the problem with Andy Dalton always comes back to the ceiling. It has to be an easy matchup for me to think that he's going to get you three TDs, whether it's you know, two through the air and one rushing or just three passing scores. But I, I, I never I never feel like in a tough matchup he's going to have a huge game. I feel like the best he can do is have just a good one where he gets you like 18 or maybe 20 on FanDuel at most. All right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, a, an, I'm not an Andy Dalton hater. So, um and I, th- I just think that, like I said, I just, I, I have this, maybe it's a feeling about the Bengals, which is not a great way to analyze anything. Uh, running backs, we talked about Drake. Wide receiver, we talked about Devontae Adams a little bit. I mean, those, those bucks are, you know, they're no good on defense. They're just no good. They're awful. And if you are a Jordy Nelson season-long owner and you've been starting to sit him down in the last couple of weeks, this might be the kind of matchup where you think about sneaking him back in. Even though Adams has been the first read, Adams is, is safe, relatively speaking, right now. I think I think Nelson can be a top 35 receiver this week, which puts him back into wide, re- three, wide receiver three contention for 12-team leagues where you start three. Wow. That's an interesting one. I did not expect that. I mean, he's he's been bad. He's been awful. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not even – I'm not trying to sugarcoat it at all. He has been bad, and I just think this is a matchup where – you can do a lot with a little against Tampa Bay's defense. So even if Nelson gets five or six targets again, this might be the week where he gets behind somebody and actually scores like a 30 yard touchdown or something like that. And it kind of makes his week. Cool. Okay. That's, that's, uh, you know, I listen to you on that subject more than most people. So that's good. Um, the other one I want to talk about is Cameron Bray. Um, He had a hip injury. Actually, this is one I want to check here. There was a hip injury Thursday. Um, I think he's going, it sounds like he's okay. There is a pretty clear line of demarcation in Cameron Braid's game, game log before Jameis and, you know, and after Jameis. And the last four weeks without Jameis, Jameis played that, how much of that game against the Saints did he play? Do we remember? He played. There was, there was the game against Arizona that he left early. There was another game before that he left early too, right? No, he, he had played, two early right. exits. He lost. He 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 went out early in the game against Saints. Okay, in week nine. So since then, counting that game, Brate has caught one pass in each of the four games without James. Okay, three and a half, four, whatever you want to call it. Before that, two, four, four, five, six, six, four, and four touchdowns inclu- included in those seven games. So, mm. I mean, you know. Yeah, maybe they're trying to phase O.J. Howard in more. I tend to think that Jameis is going to want to throw to Bray. And he, he likes throwing to Bray. And I think we might see, like, Bray, Bray's one of those sneaky guys that that I think I'd like to use. Um, where is he? 
He's fifth. He's five thousand on FanDuel, which is pretty good. I mean, if you want to even go lower, if you if you want to pivot off Cook, that might be a way to go. It could it could work, and the connection with Winston does seem to be a much stronger. I wonder how much of a Brates fade is also the result of OJ Howard just getting more experience and mm-hmm. being a, a more dynamic player at the same position. I, I, I have a, a tough read on that right now. And the thing I, I keep falling back into with the Bucks, you know, I, I talked up Evans as the receiver that I, I want to use the most. I wouldn't use them both in the same lineup, but I'm still intrigued by Deshaun Jackson. I, I don't know why I, I should probably give the dream, but it just seems like this is the kind of game where finally after five weeks of underperforming he comes through and does the the six for 90 and two tds thing i can't i can't i've never been a fantasy fan of deshaun jackson i know i should have been it's, more, it's, but it's miserable it's it, a miserable it experience really yep and this year he's got 592 yards in 11 games and i know you know he he probably missed Jameis a little too actually the last few games yeah he had two games under 30 so yeah those big games probably weren't happening i guess with fits i don't know um all right, last question. What's name me? Give me a uh, give me a strange player in one of your lineups. Oh, let's see. How strange did it get? I believe in one of my Yahoo leagues. Uh, no, there's nothing strange about that. No, that league's actually pretty normal. Do I have to go back to the fishbowl again for a strange player? Sure. I, did, I made the playoffs at least in fishbowl. That makes one of us. So that's that's a positive. Um, so we got that going. Wow. Uh, I don't, you know, my team's not that bad in the fishbowl. It's not great because I qualified on points, not on domination or whatever you want to call it. But the weirdest player in that lineup at this point is Jeremy Macklin because okay. he's not very good because Joe Flacco's awful. Yes, that's, that's so it, it doesn't kind of strike the traditional weird chord. But it's it's weird to still be using him in a league. Okay, I have one. I have a, a league on NFL.com with uh, the guys football diehards. My team's pretty good, and I, I still I have two defenses on the roster because the rosters are kind of deep, and I feel like every week when I try to get free agents, I don't get them at this point. So I um I still have two defenses, and one of them, and I turns out I have the Ravens, which is great. But I also have the Bears still that I picked up to stream a couple of weeks ago. And I'm thinking about playing the Bears over the Ravens because the Bears are hosting the Niners with Jimmy G and the Ravens are hosting the Lions. Mm, Ravens at home, though. It's always hard to pass on the Ravens at home. Yeah. I mean, it's, but I, I get it. I get the logic. I haven't made a final decision yet. I'll say that. What's your bold call of the week? Bold call. Oh, Josh Reynolds is the bold call of the week. Okay. He got six targets last week. I mean, they God, used God. them. They said, all right, the other guy's out. Woods is out. We're throwing to this guy. I think people are going to be on Reynolds a little bit. They, yeah. they were not on Paxton Lynch last week, though, right? He was low-owned. Damn it. Damn it. Yes, he was under 1% in the Sunday. I, 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 just, I just brought it up because of the, of the bull, not because it didn't work or anything like that. No, I mean, no, I just... I, understand. I hear you. I know where you're coming from. I know what you're trying to do here. That's fine. It, it's going to hit. You got you to <laughs> keep taking those shots. You have to. But yeah, it's it's Randall and, and it's Braid and it's a touchdown for Cameron Braid. That would be my other one. So, because who guy who has who has four catches over his last four games, I, I really think that that's got a decent shot of turning out well. So, 
All right, folks, listeners to our podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Derek, uh, prepping for week 13, Tim Heaney's got his noon Eastern Facebook Live Q&A on Sunday. He actually steered me in a decent direction when I jumped in on Sunday. So, you know, he's giving good advice and he's getting your questions. What else are we doing to help people? Got the Mario film review up, and we've got all of the uh, DFS tools up and running as well. So it's uh, everything you need, really, to be ready for week 13. That optimizer that helped me, that was great. It's like magic. You just press, pick two players, press a button, it's great. And I'll let everybody know Monday morning. We'll talk, you and I will talk Monday morning about how I did. Hopefully, it'll, hopefully Josh Reynolds will lead me to the promised land. So I, ho- I hope he does, too. I think he's he's kind of an interesting player, and, and the situation is definitely a favorable one for him. I hope so. All right, folks, um, please continue with the reviews and the ratings for this podcast. We'd appreciate it, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. We hope you enjoyed the Geno Smith talk, the SEC coaching talk, and all the fantasy football talk. Our next episode is going to be coming up Monday morning when Derek and I will be back with you reviewing the Sunday action from Week 13. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck this weekend. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.